Welcome to Grad Life by the Horns, the bi-weekly podcast hosted by Becky Hills and Sophie Scully. We're here to make your 20s that little bit less scary. Touching on everything from career anxiety, struggling to pay your rent and the imposter syndrome that we all feel but no one talks about, this podcast will prove that ultimately we're all in the same boat. And welcome back to the final episode of series one of Grad Life by the Horns. Oh my gosh, we've done season one. Whoop whoop. And it's Christmas time. It's Christmas time. In eight days. Eight days till Christmas. Eight days till Christmas. Whoop whoop. <laughs> the company we had with this guest was extraordinary. Oh it yeah. It was lovely. Floofiest guest today. Floofiest guest today. Couple yes. of couple of cracking doggos there. Yeah, it was just lovely and we were in her home, had a cup of tea by mm. myself. Ashley is honestly one of the most wonderful human beings I've ever met in my life. Yeah, just brilliant. And we spoke about things that we have not spoken about before, which no. was just so, so cool. Because I, I know that we talk a lot about, we try and reinforce certain topics quite a lot, don't we? And this was just like a completely like new slate. It was just... Ooh. Yeah, it was so fascinating to talk about like the problem of homelessness mm. and Ashley's series taking pictures of homeless people and their dogs to also touch on motherhood and what it's like balancing your career with being a mum and the stigma that's attached to that and the taboos and Ashley was so open and vulnerable and lovely to chat to you about that sort of stuff. Yeah, so it was it was a bit odd actually because we, we went into talking about homelessness quite a lot and I literally, as you know, I literally just came from a crisis at Christmas induction and it was it was so cool but we were talking about dogs and homeless people and their companionship and stuff and this is the first time I've done Christ at Christmas and I was actually quite surprised because there were a lot of people my age there I would say to anyone do it it's really easy to sign up for so definitely consider it next year and it doesn't have to be crisis there are loads of other ones there's shelter like there's loads of different um, mm, and there's St Mungo's which is a charity that Ursula works with which caters for dogs in London it's the only homeless shelter that helps yeah. dogs yeah you can just donate as well like you don't have to just mm. volunteer you can donate so head to the Christ at Christmas page guys and if you're feeling giving this Christmas go ahead and donate yeah, definitely cause. couldn't recommend it more so on that note let's get into the episode let's do it Our guest this week is photographer, or should I say photographer, influencer and all-world wonderful human being, Ursula Aitchison. Graduating from Birmingham City Uni in 2010 with a degree in visual and design communication, Ursula's career has gone from strength to strength. Launching her dog photography business, Photography, in 2014, Ursula has exhibited at the National Portrait Gallery as well as appearing in Time Out magazine, Town and Country magazine and the Daily Mail. She's worked with brands including Barber, Hunter, Tesco, Bumble and Knight Frank while also running the incredible Instagram account Hugo and Ashla. Boasting over 115,000 followers, Hugo and Ashla has quickly become one of our favourite accounts to follow, with hilarious pictures of our two golden retrievers, Hugo and Huxley, garnering thousands of likes per post. Speaking on her website, Ursula commented that they say never to work with animals, and yet I have spent the last five years of my life doing that and couldn't be happier. A mother, businesswoman and activist, she seems to be the master of truly living life to the full. Ursula, we're so excited to welcome you onto Grad Life by the Horns. Welcome. Thank you. Sorry for the squeaking. I love it. We were just trying to hold back our laughs. Dogs are present. Dogs are present. They need to make themselves known. Yeah. We thought we'd start by asking you three questions just to open up the conversation. Yeah. The first one is what is the most adult thing you've done this week? 
clean the house when you're bored. <laughs> Still adulting, though. <laughs> <Yeah. right? laughs> what would you say has not gone to plan this week or gone wrong? Um, losing a contract with someone I'm working with that I thought was going well yeah oh no it's fine we'll crack on I'm still working with him but it's a it's a big wasn't meant to happen and you've kind of answered a little bit actually but what have you learned from both of those this week clean the house is get the cleaner in more often (laughs) we'll have less hairy dogs um and the I mean losing the contract is I I mean I I quickly kind of picked myself back up from anyway I think you kind of have ups and downs so it was a bit of a low point and I just think okay there'll be other things I'm going to pick back up so take it as it comes so we want to kind of go back and talk about how life has been for you since graduating do you kind of want to give us a little bit of an overview of what you've been doing since you finished uni so I went into kind of general photography when I finished um, kind of doing anything I'd get my hands on. So it was banner photography, it'd be weddings, it'd be models' portfolios, kind of cringy attempts at kind of fine art photography. And then I kind of found I was definitely more interested in just people and not weddings, not bands, and kind of more kind of portraiture fashion and tried to do that a little bit and got into kind of commercial. Then I got pregnant, definitely stopped things for a while. When I was, I think I was, um, I was 21. Soon after Max, maybe in six months, kind of picked back, back up again and did kind of more, yeah, kind of stuck with fashion and commercial. And then it must have been, I think it's coming up to six years ago, although my business has been going for five, picked up on people and dogs. And were dogs kind of always the big passion? Have you always loved dogs? Always loved them. I didn't have them growing up or anything. Yeah, I always really wanted to have them. And with photographing them, occasionally in my kind of older fashion work, we get, get a dog in that make the shoot so much more exciting. But I didn't really have a clue back then that it would lead to where I am now. So there's no clear indication. It just kind of, lots of kind of things pushed it to be what it is. A lot of people that do creative subjects at university, they spend a lot of time trying to figure out um, exactly what kind of industry they want to get into, let alone what theme or, like you said, with dogs and stuff. So do you have any, like, immediate advice, I guess, for people just coming up university who don't really know what to do with their creative degree? Well, first of all, that's totally... That, that is how everyone feels. Mm. You, there are so many different areas to go into. It's, it's really impossible to know. It has to... You have to try out so many different things. So you might go into something that you think, actually you're not interested at all and after a month of doing it you think actually I really enjoy this or you do it for three months and realize you hate that and that spurs you on to like something else so it's just throwing yourself into anything that is to do with that and it, it might take you years take I think it took me yeah five years to find out you know maybe longer what, what which part I really really enjoyed but it you're it's so unlikely you're suddenly going to have that spark and be like this is it I know this and it's it's lots of just pushing yourself to try different things and not really losing hope from doing that or being discouraged by it and being like, you know, everyone else is has found their passion because other people are just chancing it too. Hmm. So I think on that topic of transitioning, what did you find most challenging about transitioning from university into the real world? <laughs> I guess uni just felt like such a safe net. You know, you haven't got to pay all the bills and things like that. I'm kind of... Hello, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was just kind of the pressure to suddenly be doing something and that you've spent all these last three years working towards something and, and now what are you doing? Yeah, like we said, you, know, you haven't, you don't immediately find that, but you want to kind of, to everyone else, look like you have when you come out of uni and now you've landed this amazing job doing this and that's not really the case most of the time. 
mm. and just kind of, I think I end up doing bar work for a bit after uni. Mm. And it's interesting to hear that because I think same people they just see that like, oh, well, they've got this amazing business, but they don't see like how you actually got there. Mm. Yeah, there's, there wasn't there wasn't someone the, the day I finished uni with a job offer saying come and do this. It was literally part time bar work, part time photography jobs, um, trying out so many different areas that I wasn't interested in at all. You almost kind of trick yourself that it that it is what you like sometimes. This is great, I'm, I'm doing it, and then you're like, when you look back, you're like, no, you definitely weren't. Yeah. Yeah, it's so true because you're stuck in the moment you don't really want to think about anything else you're like no I'm, I'm making this the most of my decisions yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing the right thing I promise yeah um but I think like was there something that you pulled from all of those the kind of gap between you starting photography and and finishing university was there something key that you pulled from those experiences interacting with people I think that that's key to photography now is is making people feel relaxed and through all the different jobs that I did I managed to build that and make people kind of feel relaxed and be able to photograph them in an environment that is, you know, really invasive having someone come and photograph you that you've never met before. And I think all these different areas, structure and build that up and help with that. Um, and that's that's really key to what I do now is make, I think that's what makes my photos. There's, yeah, sure, it's the colour and a bit of technique and skill, but it's making these people come through and feel comfortable. And I think that those years really help all, all doing all those things built up, definitely. Hmm. You can, I can even see that um, on your Instagram when you get footage from your shoots. You have your doggies around and yeah. they they behave themselves, but they're kind of like a part of it. So yes. it's a really like warm environment and it's not too like static yeah and as I, I always make a point to try and um, bring them as many shoots as I can when it before when it was just you obviously it's a bit easier just taking one on a shoot with me but it's it's like an experience it's a, it's a day out for someone so you know the dogs play together and we get a coffee and talk and it's it, it relaxes everyone and it, it's it, yeah it's the furthest thing from a kind of photo studio shoot that you can imagine really it just feels like someone's having to snap a few photos of you along the way of your day kind of thing mm. so even when they came into the office and we were doing those photos around the office it was just like made everybody's day yeah. just like, oh my god there's dogs in the office yeah. it's so exciting i was so jealous of the oh, <laughs> everything all the footage i saw that day i was like oh my gosh i really want to be there i mean like yeah like every day they they you know just just um so many people say that it relaxes them and, that, and I think it, that they kind of have the ability and power to do that literally every day someone's like they made my day like, yes mm. <laughs> well, that must be so nice to hear as well it's them doing it not me so. <laughs> <laughs> it's like when someone says your dog's really beautiful you're like do I say thank you? <laughs> thank you. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Pete is currently trying to take down some t- curtains, <laughs> and that's something you talk about on your, your. You recently started talking about on your Instagram is the kind of like mental health benefits of like having dogs or seeing dogs around. Is that something that is a new thing with your content and that you really want to start pushing a bit more? Yeah, I think um, maybe three years ago or so. I, 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 did a, I began a project where I photographed homeless people and dogs. So I was aware of it mm. then. And kind of, how, you know, how people stay on the streets even when they're off their home because they want to be with their dog. Um, but I didn't, didn't go into it in depth. I didn't really think about the power that my own dogs could bring to people. And I knew, I knew lots of people that had therapy dogs and the kind of the huge difference that makes. Um, and then, yeah, maybe the last six months or so, the kind of messages that I get on my inbox with people just saying... I've really struggled with this or that. I'm having a re- even if it's just I've had a shit day at the office, or I've been broken up with, or I, I'm actually have a um, you know going through 
a divorce or whatever it is your dogs have made me so happy and kind of connecting those dots and being like they've, they've, they're, they have a real power to, to make um, a difference even you know when on the tube traveling somewhere people have often stopped and just said that's made my day and it, you know to talk to someone else on the tube that takes a lot to say mm. that so I think the fact they've come out and said that so it's kind of what to do with it. I think sharing more photos is definitely helping at the moment yeah, yeah. definitely yeah because that's the thing is that we we have a lot of conversations on this podcast about like the negative sides of social media and how it's toxic and how for like young people it's really like destroying their mental health but then there's actually being like there's another side of it and like if you follow some really cute pictures of dogs online then it's likely to correlate to kind of like positive mental health yeah absolutely i to be honest with you i don't see the negative side of it because i because i'm not engaged or involved in any of it so i don't follow any accounts that i'm you know for the sake of spying on someone I don't like or a celebrity that I'm you know that appears to be bragging you're showing off or an ex-boyfriend or whatever it is I don't involve in that and I I would hope that my content doesn't knock or piss well off I don't think it does so I don't see that I, I know there are but I don't see them and I think it has so much force for good it, it's so I mean I, I go on Instagram and I, I'll just spend an hour grilling on there yeah part mm. of it's work and part of it's just it makes me really happy if I wake up hungover and I'm feeling a bit rough I go on there and I feel great yeah yeah. it's like we, we came across an amazing analogy that you should make your Instagram like a your own personal magazine yeah so when you wake up in the morning you want to read a magazine um, I think it was Bronte though yeah it was Bronte um, you should always just fill it with things that you want to see and for example two golden retrievers who pretty much act like humans <laughs> is exactly what you want to see <laughs> exactly my my entire feed is either dogs that i photographed so it's lovely seeing what them their owners up to now or a few you know really famous dogs or a couple of celebrities of dogs that are sweet there's I, there's no negativity in that at all and I totally agree you you ultimately you have it's having the power to have the controls like you know not eating a pile of chocolate cakes it's having the power to to control what you do and don't follow and yeah you're going to be targeted ads but actually those ads are relative to what you're already following anyway yeah I know my discover page now is like a mix of like golden retrievers and the occasional influencer yeah. it's yeah. great <laughs> it used to just all be like horrible love island rubbish yeah. and now it's just like so many dogs homeless people great. and their dogs so can you tell us a little bit more about that and how it came about and yeah I I think you know, when, when we walk past anyone that's homeless it pulls your heartstrings and you, anyway and just more so with the dog because air can relate to it and I mean you're just looking at a, a cute dog that's shivering out in the cold as well mm. I wanted to photograph them but I didn't want to kind of be in their face like you know, you know you're a subject you're homeless I'm photographing you I wanted to, wanted to be more to kind of help get their story over and, and get a real feeling for that photograph and, and document it well not just some kind of like tourist attraction in London that you're photographing. So I knew a few that, I say knew, I'd walked past a few that I knew would be in the same place. So I went and photographed, well, I went and sat with them. And first of all, just, you know, do you want a cup of tea or do you want something to eat? And then I'd start mm. talking to them. And then after 20 minutes or so of talking, ask if it would be okay to photograph them. And then they'd obviously ask why, and then they'd explain. Then they'd tell you their story as well. So I didn't go straight into them and say, you know, why are you homeless? Or you kind of like gauge around them if they're comfortable to talk about it. Maybe they didn't, maybe they just wanted a cup of tea and there's their photograph and then that's it. Or not a photograph, a cup of tea, whatever. Um, so it's kind of lots of trial and error. Some people, um, some of them really did not want their photos taken. <laughs> and then some were really, really opened up and were really, really like sweet, heartbreaking stories. 
I think I did about 10. And I, to be honest, it was just, it was more to do with time and having to, to do my actual job rather than do that, which I would love to have carried it on. But the, there were a couple of pictures, uh, one in particular, that I, one I posted on my social media and I kind of broke my feet up by posting this picture of this guy called Gary, Gareth, with his two huge um, American Akitas. Mm. And he'd, I think he'd been homeless for three months. He'd been, like, he'd been with his girlfriend and they'd broken up and he didn't want to be in, put up for shelter because the dogs wouldn't be with him. The dogs would be caged and be elsewhere. And he didn't want dogs to be caged because they'd, one had been kept in a cage and he'd rescued from a cage and one had been drowned when he found it was being drowned so he'd rescued them both and he used to be kept in the cage or something as little it was a really horrid story so he really resonated with the dogs mm. and didn't want to see them go through that so he really needed to be with them and that photograph I shared the story and maybe articulated better than that and, and wrote it out and it had so much impact so many people were messaging saying where is he I want to give him money I want to help mm. you know um, and it, it, it I mean it had in comparison to kind of Hugh Huxley stuff, but it had it had so many shares and so many people that that really really wanted to help out with it, and that's when I first saw a real big kind of like, wow, social media can can be used for something really good here. Actually, it was, it was sad because maybe I think six months later, someone messaged me and he'd, he'd passed away, but they knew how to find me and contact me, um, and how they how they got back to where I was. But that was really sweet because they you know, obviously maybe seen him locally too and then realised what happened. But I definitely at some point need to go back and carry on with that and it'd be great to like exhibit it or something kind of do something proper with it would you say um that was kind of the main trigger to start up your platform people and dogs or um i mean with the photography kind of or, or he can he can ask i mean because he photography i was already doing at that point mm. so that was um and this was just like a different kind of avenue of it with with photographing people and dogs there's even though that's a niche in itself, you can still go down so many, you can do working dogs and then they're humans, or you could do that again, mm. you know, breeders and their dogs, or whatever it is, you can get, it can go off, and that was just a route doing that. So no, that was, it, it was really nice, kind of, what also was nice about that is that anyone with a dog will instantly kind of fulfil what it's like to, to, to be with their best friend and not want to leave their dog mm. and that's what made that post really strong as well as people realizing that if, I, if you kick me if you notice it's me okay you're going to take down this house and have the dogs or you kick the dogs out and have the house yeah. i get the dogs out <laughs> 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 after all that <laughs> that build up <laughs> oh, sorry no uh, you know i think most people would be homeless <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah, it's quite fitting actually because the crisis induction I went to today, they obviously what they do is fantastic, but their dog care is so limited that they only have, I think it might actually only be one shelter that offers dog care over Christmas. There's one, it's a mongoose, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Um, and I was really shocked by that. I thought that if someone who was homeless had a dog, they would, you know, there'll be a way to kind mm. of bring the dog along as yeah. well. And I found that really difficult to listen to. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I, I that, whilst doing that, that's the one I learned that someone goes is the only one that does it. Mm. And, you know, that's probably their only companion. Like, they have friends or whatever, but they're spending every night with that dog. And I think that's, if you're, especially have mental health issues, if that's what's keeping you going, is that happiness with your dog. If you take that away, then 
I'm not saying they've got nothing to live for, but that um, yeah. decreases. Mm. Yeah, I've had so many people say, oh, it's so selfish that they're on the street and they've got a dog. Like, how could they do that? But then it's also thinking, like, imagine if you were living on the street. Of course you want that companion. Yeah. Of course you want somebody. Because it's scary enough like being on the street as it is but being completely on your own and completely isolated it's also like a safety blanket as well that you've got something to protect you you've got all of that sort of stuff encapsulated in one dog mm. and I think I, yeah I think also people often exactly that remark people think it's selfish but the large majority will have had the dog prior to being homeless that they, they've not then gone found a puppy and if they have, that puppy would probably in dire circumstance for it need to be looked after. You know, if they're homeless, they've not got £500 to cover up for a dog. No. <laughs> yeah, and it's something we definitely need to talk about more, is that, like, linking it back to kind of the graduation thing, is that when you leave uni, kind of doing charity work isn't at the top of most people's list because it's like, I need to sort myself out. But actually there is so much, from a kind of selfish perspective, but there is so much that you can gain from helping oh, other people. Totally, yeah. Mm, wow, yeah. The, the feedback leap from that, you okay you, yeah you don't want to say i'm doing this so i feel good mm. but but you you do feel you it's so i think i think they did this um study where they did what they do they gave people um ten dollars and said you can buy someone else a, a drink or a gift or buy yourself and the people that bought other people felt so much better mm. and it's you know being able to help other people is already was you know christmas it's a really nice feeling making everyone else see how happy, see how grateful, or see what you can do for other people. So yeah, doing charity work is like a double kind of you're helping someone else and you're helping yourself. Mm-hmm, and I guess that kind of um, reflects in your work as well because obviously you're you have so many amazing stories about what people say about the impact your dogs have on them and even the photo shoots and stuff but that's something you love doing and you love being around dogs and stuff so it's finding that balance isn't it yeah absolutely i think with photography i'm so lucky because it because i did it because i enjoyed it in the first place and it turned it into a job so mm. with photographing other people and my dogs um i originally wanted to make a book so I used to ask people to if I could photograph them and their dogs I just took my free time whilst I was doing whatever other photography work and then um, and then I and then I started to get paid for it and I was like wow I'm getting paid for something that I really enjoy and, and even now my free time if I've got you know a free day there's someone I want to photograph with a dog I'll do it so I'm enjoying doing it and then they enjoy having the photo shoot and then the, the best bit is when they get the photos and they cry that's like oh, yes <laughs> success the feedback leak of them crying or a picture of them and their dog is like amazing it just goes on and on so it's it's, it's giving in both ways definitely mm. yeah. and what was the kind of impetus for starting your like Hugo and Ashley Instagram so originally it was called You and Your Dog. It was more of a behind the scenes for photography. So I'd photograph kind of, you know, if you go and someone else's dog or playing on a photo shoot or if there's a particularly interesting dog that I was photographing. And, you know, it had like a bit of engagement and people, but then I realised quite quickly people liked looking at Hugo and that was getting more kind of interest. So I changed it to Hugo and Ursula. Um, and then, yeah, I think it was that really. It was just people kind of, people engaging more in, in I you know, seeing something regularly rather than just lots of dogs. Because it really is, like, a lot of... You have a lot of followers. Yeah. Was that kind of a gradual thing? Or was it, you know, you post pictures about dogs and lots of people love dogs, so people followed it straight away? <laughs> it's, yeah, it, I mean, you know, I think it's... It, there's such an easy subject to like. I think if you were doing smoothies or something, it's a lot harder. Because 
most people like dogs. It's, it's a really likable topic, especially golden retrievers, um, especially because of the kind of backstory, like you're photographing other people and their dogs, that's quite a happy kind of thing to be looking at. Also, so the, the kind of had a maybe four or 5,000 followers this time last year, maybe a bit more than that. Then sort of January time, a few articles like BuzzFeed picked up on the fact that I'd done Hugo and I dressed up in similar outfits and kind of made a thread of it. So there was a, I think, Kind of there's all these viral sites if you can find a story to it rather than just 10 pictures of my dog they'll post it so they picked it up and then that bible and then from having those kind of viral sites post us that's when it really kicked off and then it's yeah it's pretty much the last it's nearly a year now but it's just shot up i'd say like i feel like it's roughly a thousand a day kind of thing wow. some, some days more some days less but yeah Wow. Mm. Carry on. <laughs> <laughs> well, at, at uni, I remember that when they used to have like mental health week and stuff before exams, they used to bring dogs oh, in. I didn't do that. That's nice. Mm. And they, that yeah, and you sit in oh. a circle and they just release the dogs into the middle. And it was, oh, it, oh, it was just amazing. And it really does help. So that's probably why, especially with Lab Bible and BuzzFeed, a lot of young people... Yeah, that's their following. Yeah, that's their yeah. following. Yeah. So if they see that you're posting these funny pictures of you two wearing the same clothes, there, yeah. you know, it will get a following. It's just, it's just kind of really harmless, silly, feel good, mm. easy content, and I think that's why it's so likable. There's, there's no kind of, I don't, there's no downsides to it. Yeah, and there's no like pretense of it. Is it's just like this yeah. is a cute picture of a dog. You're yeah. not like yes, you work with brands, but it's not like that wasn't your. Like reason for starting and it's just like a happy coincidence that you get to kind of turn it into a business now and because you worked with um hunter on a really exciting shoot recently how is that that's awesome we um sometimes the bigger brands are the vague even more vague and i don't know what's going on and then turned up to shoot i think i got the location of the shoot the day before details of what to wear and i was like okay not bad mouthing hunter they're great (laughs) (laughs) And then on the day, I was kind of like, what are these being used for, by the way? Oh, yeah, they'll just be, like, blown up in stores. They'll be, like, on the website. They'll be on Instagram. And I was like, wow, okay, so it's, it's a big deal. And then they um, invite us to the press launch of it down in the Cotswolds in Broadway, which is beautiful. Mm. And they just looked after us so well. And I was like, oh, my God, this is how influencers live. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. amazing. Yeah, there are a lot of, there are, there have a lot of other people there who had dogs but weren't used to the campaign. And I was kind to sniff out kind of um, you know what was this like in comparison to other stuff they go to and it sounded like hunted really done really well mm, yeah like, you got like they call it hamper they and stuff they gave so much cool I just want all the free stuff no matter what it is <laughs> so do you have quite a busy schedule ahead of you for the next year like do you do you tend to just go with the flow or do you are you organised I'm so disorganised I don't know I don't know how I got here in life <laughs> I'm so 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 disorganised um, so no, I, I, I know from photography where my highs and lows of the year are. So I know that my next few months will be quiet because people are too cold to shoot. And after Christmas, they've finished buying vouchers. Um, there's a few commercial things. And in terms of um, Hugh and Ursula, that's, it's so new still. It's kind of figuring it out. I don't know what Janet will be like. I feel like Instagram kind of runs all the time. So I don't feel like there'll be a lull in January. I think there'll still be people that want me to push things. I mean, I'm photographing them every day anyway, doing their own silly thing. But no, in terms of in terms of being planned, it's it's pretty much every day. Live like a dog, basically. You're living in the moment all the time. Oh, I love that. Live like that. a dog. <laughs> yeah, because we 
they talk so much about, um, especially New Year, we talk about goals, trying to structure your year. You know, there's no there's no harm in trying to live a bit ad hoc and yeah. like you said, it works on here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and and Hunter, like a brand like Hunter, like mess like messaging the location yeah. a day no. before. You know. <laughs> Honestly, I, some of the other bigger brands too. It's so last minute and drawn together. You're like, wow! And totally, it's, when you, when it's just me doing it, I'm like, God, that's so unprofessional. Why am I, why am I doing this? Like, I'll tell the client <laughs> what I'm going to be. And then when I see huge brands doing, I'm like, it's fine. Everyone's doing it. Yeah, we're all in the same boat. <laughs> and I think people work differently. You're either I always give myself this excuse, but you're either a creative or you're kind of the other. Mm. <laughs> and you're very structured. And, and plan things out but I'm really not and, and uh, you know, it still works kind of like on that subject when it comes to photography can you tell us a little bit more about the journey and about the specifics and how you got into bit like building your own business yeah so as I said it's kind of a happy accident starting it so I you know photograph people with their dogs just because I wanted to make a nice book out of it at the time I think I was kind of just doing old commercial fashion jobs and that was just my kind of bit of fun and then I started realising that I could get paid to do it so I could have you know, it's really hard pricing up things that you love it's really hard to kind of charge people for something you enjoy doing and knowing what to charge I found that really difficult especially because I don't really think you prepared me for that that's something I needed to kind of figure out myself so going from that and then kind of you know building your own website when you're when you're starting out you don't have five grand to spend on a website Mm. so I think kind of a lot of it was just kind of feeling it out along the way and even the name I think I called I think before photography it was called something like you and your dog which just was a bit kind of vague could be anything um, so finding a really good strong name that worked for it. If you, I hear the word network, you can cringe. It's you want to like run away and die. I really hate it. <laughs> but I but I was kind of doing that organically by photographing people with their dogs, and they mentioned me to their friend. And doing that was all kind of structuring and, and kind of building the website and building um, all the connections. And then realizing I didn't have to kind of target one-on-one people with dogs I could start working with bigger companies so dog food or a, a book that I made with a knitting jumpers company that are really sweet or other things that I could do that didn't just have to be kind of just really learning as I went along mm. and it's I think it's only now in, the, in this that I kind of the work's coming to me but it's taken a long time to get to where it is with me kind of like flogging it and pushing it and advertising it and now it's funny like often when I photograph someone um a guy last week He's like, oh yeah, told my dog walk, I'm having a photo shoot, and his dog walk, and he I was. And then his son works for a company that I also work with, and it all starts linking up now mm. after such a long time. It took a while to get there. Yeah, mm. you just have to kind of put those foundations in and keep building it up. And sometimes you don't even know if they're, they're beneficial or why you're doing them. You're doing them, and you're making these connections, and you're kind of, and they might be completely pointless, or five years later, they might have been some use to you. Mm. And how did you kind of keep yourself motivated to keep it going? Because sometimes, yeah, <laughs> it could be so easy just to get so just like, oh, it's not working. Yeah, definitely. I think with 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 other things, I can I can really. I think I'm so fortunate because I love taking photos. And I love dogs, and I also like people. I mean, the, the feedback loop of that is really easy, and kind of when you've given someone their photograph and, and they're saying, "Wow, it's amazing!" Even if it's rubbish, it's them and their dog; they're going to like it anyway. And then when you show friends and family, and, and they're constantly telling that's really good. It's having it was having 
clients telling you how wonderful and how much they like the pictures and then my friends and then my family and and I wasn't afraid to you know bombard my friends with my pictures and say do you like this do you like which is better and they were never grew tired of it and will really really help you with that and sometimes you're like it's just because you're you know, just because you're my friend or just because your mum you're saying it's nice and then you then you kind of have the client also saying no no it's really good so it's a lot of other people's support I think and, and not being afraid to kind of ask people's feedback on it yeah because yeah, with personal projects and stuff it can be so hard to just be like push it in people's face and be like tell me if you like this tell me what's wrong with it and also hearing that feedback sometimes you don't want to hear it it's like Ooh, maybe that's not as positive as I was hoping for but it's just the more you do it the easier it becomes it's so important feedback yeah. isn't it yeah it's... definitely and, and, and sometimes it's <laughs> my neighbour upstairs he, he came and up to that book and uh, my photography book and he a couple of things he was saying I was like wow god I feel like I'm the best photographer ever and he was so he was saying the nicest things ever and then he started critiquing some of the work and was like you know, that just burned that photo and I was like oh, god <laughs> savage <laughs> But I, but I, you know, I, I actually really appreciated it, and and, and I, you need to have the critique. You need people to be honest with you. As much as you want to hear people to say you're wonderful, they are only ever bettering you by pointing out those. And some people, some people have thicker skin than others and can take it. Yeah. Um, you need to get a varied. You know, you can't have two people. You need lots of different, different things, and then mm. you can kind of judge on the person that's telling you what as to which bits of advice to take on board. Mm. Yeah, and when you're starting out, it's never going to be perfect, no. and it's so easy to be like oh I should be at X, X, Y, Z phase but actually I'm still at the beginning but it should look like this and it's comparing yourself constantly to people who are way ahead in their careers. What's really nice I found is look back at every kind of six months and look at the transit, the, you know, how much what I've done in the last six months and if anyone does that, if they're working towards something. The main, being passionate about something, that drives you. If you really enjoy it, that's going to drive you and if you look back from six months, that's, that's going to have made it, you, you'll see such a huge change. If I look at myself this year to last year, I'm like, wow, yeah, no, I have really progressed. And sometimes when you're kind of like trudging along, you don't really realise how different it is. Like, especially at a young age, you automatically assume that feedback is negative and you take it negatively. But if you approach it with, this is what went really well, this is what's brilliant, but it could be even better, or and it can be even better if you did this. It's, it kind of enables you to grow as opposed to being like, oh, well, that's a bit shit. <laughs> as, as, I think that's, that's down to the person giving you it, isn't it? Mm. It's quite difficult, but that's entirely true. You don't, people, people find it really hard to take. But if someone softens the blow by saying, that's not good, but this is really good, or mm. do this differently, and that encourages you. You're, I think you're probably used to... You know, when you're younger, your parents telling you both, and that's negative. Anything they say to you is rubbish, negative. You don't want to, but kind of, yeah. Most people, people if they're critiquing you, they're generally trying to help you, unless they're really nasty. No one's saying something for the sake of being nasty. Otherwise, then you, you're not, they're not your friend. Yeah, because you can't always see it yourself as yeah. well. Yeah, you need that like external, external ideas about things. Mm. So I always thought like, when I did um. A good way of looking was entirely different. But when I when I painted it when I was at college, I'd get a picture and flip it around and look at it in the mirror, and then I totally changed my perspective on it. Wow, oh, cool! You so don't even think about doing stuff like that. No, do you? but it's true. Yeah. But you know, if you maybe if you got someone's nasty critique and got someone that you like to say it. Yeah. Don't say anything. Just that's Chinese no, whispers. <laughs> that's true, actually, though, because I've had. You know, we've all had that scenario when you when you kind of say if your friend says something to you like, well, you know, if someone else said that to me, I'd really upset me. But you can say because you're my best friend. Well, mm. it's, it's having the right person say it in the right way. 
Yeah, so if maybe if someone says point. something, just get someone else to say it to you. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> or just reframe it in your See head and their voice. Yeah. 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 It's like I, I work with consultants and they say you should never, ever in any context use the word but. You should always replace it with and and it completely transcends a sentence. So if you So if you say something like... Um, I've had a really good day and I'm really knackered as opposed yeah. to I've had a really good day but I'm really knackered it completely deletes the yeah, positive thing at the beginning I'm going to apply that to life <laughs> yeah that's such a good one it's quite you don't really think about it do you yeah because I'm, I'm so moany most of the time and I'm always like but this but that <laughs> but if I say and I can get away with it yeah, exactly. <laughs> one simple word yeah I remember once someone saying when you use uh, and he, he, he was telling me to replace uh with something else, I can't remember what the word is now, but um, that made a huge difference as well. Mm. Just I think you just sound really kind of hesitant and uh if you're doing that. Because mm, they would like, like, I say oh, like God. all the time. Listening, honestly, I when I listen back to these, I'm like, I good Lord. Like you <laughs> <laughs> I pick myself up on it now, I'm like, I literally just did it. Like, you're something this, yeah. listening out to it. I think for me, it's like literally, it's like, yeah, of course it's literally exactly <laughs> <laughs> it's all those like anachronisms you only notice it when you hear yourself yeah. over and over again the entire talk I was saying that <laughs> <laughs> oh, so kind of shifting the conversation a little bit I want to just touch a little bit on motherhood mm-hmm. and how have you found balancing being a mother while also kind of pursuing your career I think because it's all I've ever known I, I wouldn't I wouldn't say that I found it difficult because you know I um, had Max so young anyway that and I that's kind of where I really started to get serious about work just after him it wasn't like I had a really high-flying career dropped had him and had to pick it back up again I was kind of dawdling around doing bits and bobs had him and then started picking it up so because it's all I've ever known it just feels like that's the way it is and that's natural you know it's like if you're born with one arm you wouldn't know how's it like having one arm because you've mm. only ever had one arm so not that I should compare a child to one arm. <laughs> Yeah, no, it it just seems to fit with it. And there's times when Max has come on jobs with me as well. And there are definitely times where I've got to go to school pick up and I could be shooting a lot later. There are definitely times where it would be a hell of a lot easier not to have had... And especially also because I'm single with him. If I'd had, you know, dad that could go get him, it would, I'd probably feel like... Sometimes I think maybe I would do more. And sometimes because you're having to create a life um, and, and provide for someone maybe it's made me work harder so I'm not sure which way around that would have swung who knows I mm. know we've not like spoken to like any parents on here before and we find that whenever I watch interviews dads never get asked about how do you balance it and all that sort of stuff mm, but and it always goes on to the mum but I think because we haven't got kids it's just so interesting to hear about that balancing act and because I recently did a series at work called Women in Real Estate and every single woman that I interviewed said I'm really worried about having kids because I think it's going to ruin my career and I don't think the kind of maternity packages are there and all that sort of thing whereas when I speak to dads at work doesn't even come up in conversation yeah. the, the fact that they're a dad is completely separate to what they're doing yeah. and I think it's also really important to recognise that you can still have a career yeah, totally. and be completely successful while also being a parent it, you know it's up to the person like if you some people really just want to be mummy they want to stop working and be there every step you know watch them walking watch them, you know, watch them talking and, and do all that and then of, you know, then of course if you want to be there be so heavily involved then you have to give up your job because if you free you know or you do what I did and you do your child in um, childcare 
and you're working towards you're, you're still you're still working and it and that's I don't ever feel guilty about doing that or bad about doing it I think Max has a really cool life but I I'm okay with doing that I don't feel I need to be there loads with him I'm not like a super super hands-on mummy mummy I'm just I'm just mum but also you know so I think those people that's generalizing myself I don't mean to sound like that but if they're if they're worried about that it's because they want to have they want to do that they really want to be this kind of mummy figure but you you, you know you, you can but you just need to change your view of what being one's going to be like a little bit I think mm, definitely it's an interesting topic actually because it's almost like motherhood and parenting is almost I wouldn't say taboo but it's kind of especially for graduates because you're so you're you're told and you're filled with all this information about building your career and getting all these experiences and going traveling and all that kind of stuff you you don't really think about that aspect of growing up so and like I know a couple of people that have started to mention the idea of having kids and stuff and I I catch myself going oh they're like no but if they want to you know if it's their plan if it's their life plan or if it fits them yeah, it's fine my one of my best friends a comedian and she does um, a really good piece on growing up and she says she's a chav and she all her aspirations were <laughs> wanting she's done it more <laughs> all her aspirations were wanting to be a mum you know she probably wanted to have a baby at 16 if she could and then she ended up doing really well in school going to uni getting a really good job out of uni and then realizing wow i can have this amazing career and her comedy sets basically it goes back round to her actually just really, all she really wants to do is be a stay at home mum and let her boyfriend go to her fiance now go to work and, and do that um, but it's really empowering saying there's, there's nothing wrong with also just really wanting to that yeah it is a taboo it, people find it you know and even like worrying about what they're going to say to work or how much they can get out of work go back into work and all those kind of things it's really like, for myself personally again I, it, I just never thought about it because it just happened mm. But I, there's, I think it's a really tricky topic, and it's, you know, I like I said, men don't have to think about it. They know at some point it's going to happen. Mm. But women that are trying to build their career, and then they do, you know, that's that's instincts. You mm. do want to be mummy at some point. Well, not everyone, but you know. Do you think being self-employed helped with motherhood? Definitely, mm. definitely, yeah, yeah. I, I, um, I, I guess I was kind of fortunate that he was so young when I was figuring out what I wanted to do as well. I think if I'd had a job. Um, there's some of the single mums that are at school and like they just it just seems so stressful running in and out for a job and being late for things when you've got to collect your child and I just feel like I can kind of being in my own control with it massively helps so that again that's yeah that's not not everyone's going to be as in that situation mm-hmm. yeah yeah because I always say because I I don't think I want kids and I always say oh, I can't imagine anything like could imagine worse than getting pregnant at this age but then I'm like oh but that's okay for some people and it's so easy again to get wrapped up in what you but think I, about life just, and I, mean, I, I didn't I did not want to have kids my match was not planned mm-hmm. and I would definitely put myself in the category of I did not want to have you know I, it just happened at another time kind of and you can and you can say that now and you never know <laughs> time, it might be something like I mean I would definitely stick to dogs from now on <laughs> <laughs> change yeah <laughs> that's what my mum always says to me she's like you will give me grandkids we will get this <laughs> <laughs> my boyfriend's mum had um, so she was finishing her degree she was renovating a house she got married and she had matt in her final year of uni so she was 21 and i think naturally you kind of because you know when you talk about it you joke you joke and stuff but i'm like 
I, I want you. I want you to know that I don't want to have kids for quite a while. So. And then Matt's like looming in the corner, like like walking backwards and forwards, like this is actually happening. Yeah, it's double pressure. Get the career and have the kid. It's like I, I feel very lucky that they both happened so early on. I don't have to worry about either of them now. Yeah. <laughs> and have you found? Did you ever find a moment where you were like? I feel like I'm losing my identity and just becoming mum. I mean, that was because of because I didn't want to have children the entire way through the pregnancy. I was kind of really like so adamant I didn't want to be mummy and didn't want to and didn't want to be. I didn't go to any of these kind of baby classes. I didn't go to. I I didn't hang out with any of the mums at nurseries. I you know I don't really see many of the school mums now. Um, I'm, a, you know, I'm very mummy, mummy to max, but I, I was always so aware of that, so that, that didn't happen. I probably, I definitely had postnatal depression and stayed in by myself a lot, which is probably, mm. you know, because of doing that, pushed the other way. But no, I think I, I quite quickly, within six months, was trying to work already, so it didn't happen. Mm. Yeah. Well, thank you for being so open about motherhood. It's really interesting to, to hear about no. it. <laughs> we ask one very cringy question at the, end of, at the end of every podcast. I always have to preface it with that because otherwise everyone's like, oh, God. <laughs> Actually, how are you going to continue to grab life by the horns? Oh, I like that. <laughs> you do like it, yes. We've got photography. We've got a fellow podcast. <laughs> I, I'm just gonna going to continue living in the moment like a dog. Love it. Love Amazing. it. Amazing. Thank you so much. Have a very merry Christmas and yes. a happy New Year. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to the episode of Grad Life by the Horns. Ursula, as I always say with all our guests, but especially in this instance, Ursula, you were incredible. Mm. So open, so vulnerable, so lovely. Pleasure to talk to you. Pleasure to spend some time with Hugo and Huxley. Mm. Oh, um, yes. The best the best golden retrievers in London. We hope you enjoyed this episode because we absolutely loved recording yeah. it. So that does draw season one to an end. However, that is not the end of us. Oh, no. So the next time you'll be hearing from us is on the 7th of January when our next episode will come out. Today is the 17th of December and you have until the 20th of December to submit a voice note to take part in the 2020 graduate takeover. Thank you so much to everyone that's already given their voice notes and really interesting stories. Yeah, really interesting stuff. Um, and just people having fun with it really and that's what we want please just drop us your email on instagram and we will get that running up in three days very exciting very stuff. exciting as we've already said this draws season one to a close thank you so much for all of your support on this season we are mm. so overwhelmed with how many people have listened how many people have sent us supportive messages how many people have said that our content, our recordings, our episodes have helped them. Fundamentally, as we've said at the beginning, the ethos of this podcast is to make people feel less alone. And we really hope that we've helped to do that this year. Yeah. Because we know how difficult that immediate period after university can be and how difficult your 20s can be. We're so grateful for all the support. And from the bottom of my heart and the bottom of Sarah's heart, this is honestly one of the best things we've ever decided to do. And I'm so glad we did it. Thank you so much. And Stay with us in 2020. Yeah, have an amazing Christmas or festive period if you don't celebrate Christmas. Yeah. Have a lovely new year and we shall see you in 2020. See you in 2020. Bye, Bye. guys.